Arizona sports. Cardinals head coaching search update. Update. I want you to listen to this soundbite. This is Peter Schrager. He was on Good Morning Football yesterday on the NFL Network. They were talking in the context of the Cowboys getting eliminated by the 49ers. Within that conversation, listen to the endorsement on Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn might be the most valuable person in that building right now. That includes the head coach. I I think that McCarthy has won 12 games back. He's not going anywhere, and I think he's a great CEO of this thing, but Dan Quinn is the architect of one of the best defenses in the league, and you can lose a Tony Pollard in free agency. You can lose a couple offensive linemen in free agency. If Dan Quinn gets offered one of these other jobs, he's going to make more money. Obviously, he's going to be a head coach somewhere. But if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm walking into Dan Quinn and saying, what will it take to keep you for just one more year as our defensive coordinator? You write the blank check because we're there. We have these guys. We can't lose you. Dan Quinn is flying in tonight to Arizona for a second interview with the Cardinals. That, according to Tom Pelissero, he tweeted that out this This morning. This could very well get done tonight, then. Second interviews very much means we like you, we really like you, let's make sure that everybody else likes you, and and. And then, you know, if you do, you, you could very well make an offer tonight, you know, and, and, and get this thing wrapped up by tomorrow and tell Sean Payton not to come. Like, that's very possible that that happens. So if you, you have a, when you bring a guy back for a second interview, I mean, obviously, serious, serious interest right there. No doubt. And you're just, Trying to make sure I want confirmation that you're the right guy. We like you a lot. I need confirmation you're the right guy. I want to have a couple other people hear what you have to say, and then you try to wrap the thing up. I know some have suggested that because he only spent an hour basically on a Zoom call with the Cardinals over the weekend, that this is basically a first interview, not a second interview. I don't look at it that way. I I think well, they interviewed him, flying him in here, the urgency to fly him in here, and I think there might be even a little backstory behind that one too. We'll talk about Sean Payton a little bit later, but there's this kind of belief out there now, at least on Twitter with people who are you know kind of sort of in the know and who've been covering the league, suggesting that Sean Payton might not have much of a home right now in terms of where he's going to go. Crazy. He, you know, he... Who would have thought that when his process started? I know, right? Like, he, there's suggestions that there's a mystery team, which kind of suggests that he's trying to create some leverage. <laughs> he, he, yeah, it's the Toronto Agronauts. Yeah, he, he... They really like him. Postponed an interview with Denver so he could go speak with the Cardinals. Oh, now my favorite is the hey, he'll just go back to Fox. I've heard that from like three different people today. You know, he'll just go back to Fox. All of it kind of sounds like Sean Payton isn't finding exactly what he's looking for, and he's trying to take that big spoon and stir it up a little bit. So, what does this mean for the Cardinals and Dan Quinn? Well, it could, in theory, mean that the Cardinals are trying to get Dan Quinn in here because they know that nobody's going to hire Sean Payton this cycle, and they want to get. Dan Quinn in before he goes to yeah, Denver. Yeah, they want to get the first choice. Before he has the second interview with Denver, because Dan Quinn and Denver have been connected since before the end of the season. Mitch knows this. He's a huge Broncos fan. They've been talking about Dan Quinn and Denver for months after they figured out Nathaniel Hackett wasn't the guy, right? And well, so like one of the significant factors in that was in the post-game presser in their final game of the year, Russ was asked about the Sean Payton rumors, and he naturally, on his own, mentioned Dan Quinn See, as a that's fine what I'm talking candidate. About. So let's get in front of them before they get in front of us. Let's bring him in here, and if we like him, let's offer him the job. And not even so that's and look, there is if you look at the resume, yeah, I know they blew the twenty-eight to three lead against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I get all yes. that. There's a lot to like. There's a lot to like with Dan Quinn. 
There is. Now, when he was when he was the head coach of the Falcons, he has a Super Bowl ring with Seattle as a defensive coordinator, got the head coaching job in Atlanta. The key for Dan Quinn, if you hire him, is he's going to have to hire a hell of an offensive coordinator. You're going to have to go get that Philly quarterback coach could be a guy. Now, keep your eye on this, too. What if Frank Reich does not get a head coaching job? Mm-hmm. Like, he, you know, maybe you could hire him as your offensive coordinator. What a, what a steal that would be if you get him to come back here and he could be your OC. But when he was there, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan was his offensive coordinator the year they went to the Super Bowl and blew that lead to the Patriots because they wouldn't run the ball. Then after Shanahan left, they went with Steve Sarkeesian and then Dirk Cutter. Um, and that's when you, you, they started to slip a little bit and he ended up getting fired. But when he had Shanahan as his offensive coordinator, it was an incredible you know, run there with those guys. They were 19, 19 and 13. They made it to the playoffs. They won a couple games. They made the Super Bowl. And then Shanahan obviously left, got a head coaching job. Sarkeesian came in. That They made it to the playoffs once with, uh, with him. And then Cutter came in. And then eventually he got let go. Quinn did, got let go of the job. So I think the key will be who would his offensive coordinator be? Because he's going to have to hire a really good one. But he is a terrific defensive mind. But I do think that that's going to be one of the key things to get at OC. But I think that threshold also applies to Vance Joseph. It applies every to defensive Brian guy. Flores. It every applies to every defensive guy. So what's his pitch? To. What is his sell on who he would bring in to be his offensive coordinator? Maybe that's, that's what they want to hear tonight. That's the key, right? For any of these defensive guys coming in. Okay, who's going to be your offensive guy? Who's going to be your coordinator? Who's the guy who can reach? Like uh, we were talking about, I referenced uh, uh, a Big Red Rage last week, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and Darren Urban. They were they were all talking about Brian Flores. And Calvisi mentioned point blank that Flores has been long connected with Jim Caldwell. Almost as if to suggest Jim Caldwell would be the guy that he would bring in. Jim Caldwell's you know done plenty of head coaching interviews over the last couple of years. He's a very interesting guy. He's had a lot of success in this league too. So any defensive-minded coach has to have that as part of their pitch. Here's my vision for the offense. Here's my coach for the offense. Here's exactly who I'd bring with me. I'd go get this guy and that guy and that guy and this guy. You have to. If you don't know the answers to that question, you're not getting the game. Listen, you didn't have that the last two hires. I mean, the GM had to hire, you know, all of Cliff's staff. Cliff didn't know anybody in the NFL good enough to have those. He was a college coach. And then even go back to Wilkes, you know, they helped Wilkes with Mike McCoy. McCoy. Well, didn't they interview Mike McCoy (laughs) for the head coaching job? Yeah. And, and when he didn't get it, they've like kind of what they did with Frank Reich. And that, I mean, really, when you think about it, does that not kind of reveal how, you know, at the time with Cliff, like, you know, they had to basically fill out his staff for him because he didn't know anybody. Isn't it great to hire a coach who knows who he's going to hire? Yes. Like, I'm going to, yes. this is who I would hire, and I'll tell you why I'm going to hire these guys to be my, my coaches. Yeah, this isn't going to be Instead Steve Kahn deciding who the coaches are going to be. This isn't Monty Austin for deciding who the coaches are going to be. This is going to be me. I'm the head coach. I'm the one who's right. got to be, operate in that space every single day. I'm going to decide who my coaches are. you get that with are. Quinn. You get that with Vance. You get that with Flores. You get that with guys that have been head coaches in this league before. Now, other coordinators are probably thinking about it, but when you've been a head coach and you've gone through that, you probably have a better understanding of what you need being a, for, being a former head coach. True, but I can imagine even a guy like D'Amico Ryans, who hasn't been a head coach. I mean, who was it from San Francisco we had on who brought up Anthony Lynn as a guy that he might take with him as an offensive yes. coordinator? If you're D'Amico Ryans, coach, Chargers. And you start getting feelers, you know, in mid-November, early December that you're going to be a head coaching candidate. You 
you start thinking about that, whether you want to or not, it's almost involuntary. You start thinking about that stuff right away. If I'm going to be a head coach but in this a league, lot of who's times, my OC? Right. Who and am I taking? But a lot of times a GM may come in and say, let me help you with this. You've never done this before. Let me yeah. help you with this. I think that was more of a cliff thing than anything else. I really do. They uh, did it, and I, they, but they did it with Will. I think in Mo, well, I think that kind of speaks to the problem. You know, you're hiring sure. inexperienced guys who you, you're requiring, and, and that kind of speaks to the control. And when maybe the control was a little out of whack with the Cardinals because it, it shouldn't be up. The GM, of course, is going to be in on that decision. But ultimately, a head coach should be able to have the power to pick who his offensive he coordinator, his defensive coordinator is going to be. Man, yep. that's his job on the line. He yeah. better hire the right people for himself. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens with the Dan Quinn interview. Again, according to the reports, he's supposed to come in today. Whether he interviews tonight, whether he interviews tomorrow, do they let him leave? I don't know. We'll see. And of course, there's another layer of Sean Payton that we'll get into a little bit when we talk about this. But everybody's speaking good, good things about Dan Quinn, including Larry Fitzgerald. He'll be number one, in my opinion. Uh, there's no question about that. You know, what he's done, obviously his experience, and he, he did really good in Atlanta. Um, and, you know, had he, you know, run the football a little bit more, he'd have a Super Bowl championship. So I, I don't think it's be much longer until Dan Quinn will be back on the sidelines as a head coach of the National Football League. That was Larry Fitzgerald earlier today. We are less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57. Bud Light, FanDuel, Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. Text the word SUPER to 620-620. Register and listen for your name starting February 6th. You can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you'll win tickets to the following events as well. The FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, the Super Bowl Experience. Text the word SUPER to 620-620. It's all access. It's presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Did Sunday's performance cement Chris Paul's future here in Arizona? We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Coming up in about eh, 12 minutes, 13 minutes, we're going to talk with U of A football coach Jed Fish. And the main reason why, we'll talk to him about other stuff, of course, with his program. But he's got connections that go way, way back with Monty Austin Fort. We've been, uh, for lack of a better word, chasing Jed Fish for about a week now since we found out Monty got the job. And uh, we're looking forward to talking to him because he's worked with Monty Austin Fort two different stops, I believe, with the Texans and the Patriots. So uh, I know he tweeted him a congratulations and referenced the fact that they had spent some time together with those organizations. So looking forward to our conversation with Jed Fish. That's coming up at the bottom of this hour, 530. In the meantime, got the Suns coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. They're taking on the Charlotte Hornets. Chris Paul, Cam Johnson, not on the injury report. The expectation is that they're going to play. There was a rumor involving the, the Suns in connection with the Rui Hachimura trade from yes. Washington to the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm going to play this soundbite from Adrian Wojnarowski yesterday. There were discussions as late as last night uh, that included bigger trades than just a two-way deal with L.A. I was told uh, that there were some three-way talks that would have involved Phoenix, uh, but those larger trade discussions fell by the wayside and then L.A. and Washington this morning uh, zeroed in on the deal that they ultimately landed on. 
Yes, no. Yes. Yeah, the Suns did have discussions with Washington. This one I will not shoot down. I'm so on used Rui to you, so used to you saying no that it's it kind of takes me a minute when no, you say I know. yes. No, I listen, like, they, whoa, they, he said yes. There were discussions. They they liked him. They did like him. Um there's a, there's a few things to like about him too. And sometimes when you're in a situation like the Suns are, you're over the cap, you're paying the luxury tax, you know, it's better to get a guy in a trade that's a restricted free agent rather than trying to get one in the offseason and trying to sign that guy. There are benefits being having a restricted free agent, your ability to sign the guy regardless of the cap, to sign in trade scenarios that also present itself, the exceptions that could be created. So yeah, there was absolutely some interest there. Now, the, the, the reason why it didn't happen is because of the Jake Crowder contract and salary compared to the Rui Hachimura salary. About $4 million in difference in, in those two salaries. Washington was a team, they're right up under the tax. They didn't want to take on additional salary. So then you're talking about, okay, now how do you make this work? Well, then you got to, they didn't mind the expiring contract to Jay. If Jay was making $6 million, maybe a deal gets done. But Jay's a little bit over 10, which means that Washington would have had to add extra players into the deal to make it work for them because obviously they didn't want to pay a tax. And then again, the other thing is that the Lakers picks are deemed more valuable than the Suns picks in the second round. So that was another factor there where you wouldn't have been able to match this, the same deal with the picks and get away with that. Yeah, I, 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 there's, to me, there's like two things at play here with the Hachimura stuff. And it is interesting to hear that the Suns were in on it. And they're certainly going to do something with Jay between now and the deadline, which is two weeks from this Thursday. I think the most interesting thing, look, the, the season is we're at the 50-game marker. So there have been two trades in the NBA all year long, too. And most people think this is kind of the start of the trade season now with the deadline coming up on February 9th. Like, this is the first official trade deadline trade in the NBA. Now, maybe it's too far out to be counted by somebody. I count it as that, all right? There's a lot of, there's some belief around the league that a lot of these teams with assets they want to move are asking too high of a price. Call it the Danny Ainge, Rudy Gobert syndrome, <laughs> right? Like where, where, oh no, Rui Hachimura, he's worth a first rounder. Absolutely. I, I'm not, I'm not giving you him unless you give me a first rounder. And of course it stems from Danny Ainge absolutely fleecing Minnesota over the summer in the Rudy Gobert deal, getting a, a, a return so high, it's just hard to match it. I think now with the Wizards having to cave a little bit and take only second-round picks for Rui Hachimura, it might be an indicator to the other teams in the NBA that they're asking too much for their guys. And they have to come off their price a little bit. you know. And, and for the, that's when things might get interesting for the Suns. Because if they don't want to give up first-round draft picks, if they want to save them, man, they can give up every second-round pick they've got from here until the end of time. I don't care. Those, to me, are borderline worthless. I understand they're good players that can come out of the second round, but it's very very rare. Um, if teams can come off the big asking price like Washington did with Hachimura, now we're in business. Yeah. Let's go. Let's talk. Let's have some conversations. Maybe it's like the WD-40 that kind of unsticks the mechanism a little bit, right? <laughs> gets the gears working a little bit. Sure. Spray some WD-40 yeah. on that. Let's get it moving. Yeah. Listen, the Suns, you know, they're looking at a few different things. They're going to get about $86 million in players back real soon, and that'll be a real shot in the arm. You know, getting Chris Paul back, you'll get DeAndre Ayton back, I think, for the Dallas game campaign. Devin Booker, you just got Chris 
Harris and Cam. So, you know, you're going to get a lot of those guys back. They're going to trade Jay Crowder. They really are going to trade Jay promise, Crowder. Swear, pinky I promise, promise. I promise they're going to Cross trade him by the deadline. Dice, the yes. in your eye, all that yes, stuff. Yes, they're okay. going to trade him. Look, they, they, you know, they were in on that deal with Rui Hashimura. They did like him enough to have conversations with Washington to see if a deal could get done. I mean, it, there was there was some interest there, so I'm not going to shoot that down. Now, you know, where they go again, I kept telling you it's probably going to be a role player, somebody for Jay, and you know, that you got a you got a $10 million expiring contract. Who wants Jay? What could you give up for him? The good teams aren't going to give up anything you really like because they're in it. They don't want to give up a good player, so you just try to make a deal work, and it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah, so uh, that's, I mean, look, that's all, look, no one's denying what they get back and the talent they're getting back. They've got to stay back. And if they stay back, and I know that's a big if, and no one knows the answer to that, I still believe this team can make a run. It's just what else do they do in the margins? What do they do with Jay? They're going to do something with Jay. They do they, are. Do they do anything else, or do they just count on getting everybody back as being enough? Honestly, in this Western Conference, getting everybody back might be enough. It, it, it might be enough to get you to the Western Conference I Finals. I think that's it what you really should do. might. I think that's what you should do because that allows you to hold on to all your draft picks going forward. That allows you to stabilize and set your 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 cap and your luxury tax. That allows the new owner to come in and then give you a new budget You know, without you making moves without his approval. Although I think at this point now that any 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 larger move would probably go through Matt Ishbia um, and, and Robert. I think you'd probably have to go through both of those if there's anything big. But I don't think you do anything big. I think you get everybody back. And, you know, look, we just saw them beat Memphis the other day without Devin Booker, without campaign, without DeAndre Ayton. Um, I think Memphis lost last night, too. Didn't they lose again last night? I didn't see, did they? I think they did lose last night. I can't remember. Was it, uh, no, that's was a Sac- nod. Was it Sacramento? Head from, well, Sacramento. They didn't have Ja. They didn't have Steven Adams. But Sacramento ran Sacramento right ran over ran the fourth yeah. quarter. And see, now there's a team. If they're one of the best teams in the Western Conference, oh, bring them on. Sacramento? Oh my God! Yeah, bring them yeah. on! Yeah, bring them on as an inexperienced, shell shocked, wide eyed. We're just happy to be here. Team that hasn't been to the playoffs in two decades. I might regret saying that. Bring on, <laughs> but bring on the Sacramento Kings if you're the Phoenix Suns in the first round. I'll take that matchup every day that ends. Sure, in but that, and, and, that, and what you're saying right there is part of the reason why, like, it does make sense to not do anything too drastic either way, yeah. and try to go with you know roll it with what you have and see if you can win with the guy with everybody coming back. We have got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You will never miss any of our show. You might be listening to it right now for all I know. The Burns and Gambo Show is brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. He knows Monty Austin for dating back to the early 2000s. He was one of many to congratulate him following being hired by the Cardinals. He's U of A football head coach Jed Fish. He joins us next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Very glad we were able to make this happen when this time a week ago, Gambo and I were on the air for the first time. We were talking about Monty Austin Ford getting the GM shot for the Cardinals. Kind of connecting dots and looking at social media, one of the names that kept popping up was Jed Fish. Jed Fish, Jed Fish, head coach of Arizona football and his connections with Monty Austin Fort. We, we kind of played the long game on this one, and it was certainly worth the wait, and we're glad to welcome onto the show right now here on Burns and Gambo to talk about not only Monty, but other things as well with his program. Jed Fish, the head coach of the University of Arizona Wildcat football team here on the Burns and Gambo show. Coach Fish, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show. We appreciate your time. 
How we doing, guys? Coach, proud father here of a U of A grad, just so you know. Just Love proud it. father. My daughter got her doctorate at the U of A. She's a, she's a doctor right now at Banner University Medical Center in Tucson. So right right where you are. So proud father of a U of A grad. That's awesome. Right where I normally am. Right now I'm out on the road recruiting in another state. But, oh. yes, normally I'm right there across the street. All right, careful because, you, you know, people are listening, Chad. You don't want to reveal exactly where you're at. You know, I, I, I know this stuff is very, very hush-hush. So we won't yeah, get except right. for Twitter, which has you, like, track me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, you know what? On second thought, tell us exactly where you are because we probably could find out if we want to. No, I'm kidding. Don't. So yeah. um, for our audience, refresh us, refresh them on your connection with Monty Osifor, because if I'm not mistaken, it goes back like 22 years, right? Yeah, so in 2001, um, I was hired by the Houston Texans. Uh, I just got done being a graduate assistant at the University of Florida, and uh, they hired one full-time coach, Chris Palmer. Uh, Dom Tapers was the head coach. And then I was the quality control coach for really all three phases. We had no team. At the same time, they, they hired um, a scouting department of the same uh, same group. of uh, Charlie Castley was our general manager. And then he hired a bunch of guys that have went on and become general managers at different places. Mike McCagney with the Jets. Um, he went Chuck Banker with the Eagles. And then hired Monty Austin for it was the same role that I had, but on the scouting side. So he was a scouting intern, um, and we were there together for three years, I believe it was, and uh, the low man on the totem pole job. Right. What? Tell us about him. What During those three years, what signs did you see that th- this was an intelligent guy that at some point was going to be a GM in this league? Well, you know, at that point in time, you don't know what anybody's going to be because you don't know what you are. You know, you're just brand new at it, just enjoying it, trying to figure out your role and my role, and he was trying to figure out his role. And I think we were all just young and naive and thought we had answers that we really never did at the time, probably. And then just, um, but when you're really smart like he is and you have a great demeanor, um, you have an ability to stay connected with people, we reconnected. 17 years later when I got hired by the Patriots. So, but throughout all the years that I was coaching at different universities, he really had a long, long run in New England, I think 14 years or so. And he would always reach out. We would see each other at the Senior Bowl. We'd spend time together at the Combine. Uh, We would obviously, if I was coaching college football, uh, I would be able to share with him anything I knew about the athletes that we had on our team. And just always remained uh, very, very close, good friends, uh, really always rooted for him. And um, to be able to connect with him in New England was great. And then he left, uh, like within a month, he went to the Titans. And uh, so that connection really didn't last very long. So when I saw that he was hired in Arizona, um, I thought that was just an awesome way to once again reconnect, open up our doors in Tucson to him. And uh, let him know that, hey, uh, you have a, a home away from home. You want a Pac-12 school to hang out at, hang out here. You want games to go to, come here. And uh, we want to make sure that we're open 
uh, with everybody there at the Cardinals organization. It's it's amazing the amount of time he spent in New England. I'll ask you about that. He was area scout, national scout, director of college scouting, uh, everything that he did in all those years in New England. We always hear about the Patriots way, and so many coaches get hired from the Patriots system with Bill Belichick and executives as well. What, what, what could describe what the Patriot way means in the NFL? Well, I would say, you know, uh, the old saying of do your job is probably what's most uh, associated with the Patriot way. It's not your responsibility to do somebody else's job. It's not your responsibility to complain about somebody else. Uh, So many people in this profession look out and wanted to see what other people do. And the most beautiful thing that Coach Belichick has in his program is your responsibility is to do the job you've been hired to do. And do that at the absolute highest level, players, coaches, administrators, et cetera. And if you can do it at a high level, day in and day out, consistently with a competitive stamina unlike others, you could last in that organization for a long time. Um, my time was shorter as I was hired by Arizona, um, you know, 11 months into my tenure there. And rather than do your job, we went with be a pro. And in our mind, was that's the same thing. Uh, be a professional on how you act. Be a professional on what you do. Be a pro in how you speak to others. Be a pro, and if this is your responsibility, do it. And I think uh, I think that's what's good for us. But clearly, I'm sure Monty's going to bring in a uh, unbelievable attention to detail on how to build a roster. And uh, really, he's going to do a fantastic job at Arizona. Jed Fish, the coach of the Arizona Wildcat football team, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, knows new Cardinals GM Monty Austin Ford for the better part of the last 21 years, stops in Houston and New England. He's our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. A, a, a question or two, if we could, about about you, your program, the state of everything right now with Arizona football, and in particular, something that the, the whole world of college football continues to adjust to. How, how do you feel like you your program and you and your staff have adjusted to NIL and how that's kind of changed the landscape of being a college coach, coach. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's uh, obviously it's a whole nother world. It's a whole nother animal and it's not going away anytime soon. So you have to embrace it and you have to um, be able to constantly uh, help your, you know, your program out the best way you can by doing things right, you know, recruiting well, coaching your team well, doing well academically, doing well in the community. So people within the community want to do right by your kids. Uh, that's kind of been our philosophy here. Uh, we, have, we have a collective. That collective is run by our booster program. But what they're able to do is they're able to say, hey, we need to raise more money for our players because our players are doing well. Our players are doing things right. Uh, we're very, you know, we had 100 of our 112 players had over a 3.0 GPA. We had uh, the most amount of community service. Uh, we had the, I think, the 35th ranked recruiting class this year. Last year, we had the 20th ranked uh, in the country. Uh, Arizona, over the last two years, we've never done anything close to that in the last 20 before that. So our feeling is if we can keep doing things right off the field, we're going to be able to benefit um, from the Tucson community. We're not a pro town, so you don't have to pay, you know, one of our players rather than J.J. Watt or pay one of our players rather than Matt Stafford. You just take care of one of our players because in Tucson we are the biggest thing. And uh, I hope there's a bunch of billboards of our players selling cars and, you know, 
hyping up personal injury lawyers and talking about dentists and doctors and whatever it might be yeah. to be able to get more money in our players' pockets. Maybe EG is the flavor of the month. I always love that stuff. This is a difficult one for me, the, the, the portal, because so many kids are transferring now and entering the portal, and I, I don't like it. I think it's bad for college football. You benefited from it last year greatly with Jaden coming in and with, with Jacob coming in from UTEP, but how do you view it overall? Is the portal good for college football or bad for college football? I think the portal is necessary for college football based upon the fact that uh, we stayed with 85 scholarships, but we gave every player a COVID year back. And when you do that, you wind up having giving every player five or six years of eligibility. If you sign 20 to 25 players, you're talking about 120 to 150 players on your roster. Well, you're only allowed 85 of them. So you have to find a way to be able to keep high school recruiting relevant. To do that, there had to be a way to let guys leave if they felt like they were getting passed over, if they'd been there long enough that they were just, they saw their ceiling. If they committed to something on COVID when they didn't necessarily know what they were committing to. So I, I think in the next few years, we'll see the portal slow down. But I think right now where we're at, there was the only option was to make it an open market because there's no other way to be able to manage a roster if you're going to continue to give players six years to be able to uh, to be able to go to school. Coach Fish, we appreciate the time and the conversation. Safe travels wherever you might be. And uh, we appreciate hearing your thoughts about Monty Austin Fort. Really do. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Yep, thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Chet Fish joining us on the Arizona Sports Line here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Would Sean Payton decide that working at Fox ultimately is his best option right now? We'll try to answer that question next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? All right, the games that we are going to watch this evening, we've got a pair of local teams in action. You've got the Ducks taking on the Coyotes tonight. The Coyotes hosting the Anaheim Ducks at 7 o'clock. That game is at Mullet Arena. Uh, and then also at 7 o'clock, the Suns taking on the Hornets. And it's for that reason that we're on a little extra tonight. We've got bonus burns and Gambo until 6.30. We'll take you right up until Suns pregame coverage in a game. Not to put too fine a point on it, the Phoenix Suns have to win this game. Tonight against the Hornets. Four game winning streak, Two. first time since Two. November. Have to win. November, yeah. Have to win. This is not, listen, they're playing on a back to back. They got beat last night. What'd you say? They made two three pointers last night in the entire game? Two three pointers. They go game. two of 14, two of 16, something like that. Uh, they didn't have ball. Um, you know, they rebound the basketball well, but they're not a very talented team. They've had a tremendous amount of injuries all year and guys that have been out. So they just never really got going this season. A lot of people have talked to them as about a team that you know might be able to uh, make some some trades with. We've talked about P.J. Washington, talk about Rozier. You know, I know in the beginning of the season, I can tell you that they did have some interest in uh, Jay Crowder in the beginning of the season because they thought that they, they could use a veteran, defensive-minded leader like that to help Ball. Um, but and obviously, Ball got hurt. He missed so many games, and that it didn't it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, look, here's the reason why I think this one, you got to win it. Uh, you, there are five teams in the NBA right now that you can truly, honestly, wholly say are not 
competing for a play-in spot. And only five. Everybody else is within a game or two of one of the last spots. Charlotte is one of the five. Uh, Detroit is one of the five. Orlando is one of the five. The Spurs and the Rockets are two of the five. Charlotte's one of them as well. It's just they being on the second night of a back-to-back. You got Chris Paul. You got Cam Johnson. You're trying to stay afloat with a 500 record-ish until you really start to get, what you say, $86 million worth of salary back back. consistently. Coming back. You just you got to win a game like tonight. And anything less than that would be a major disappointment and a major step back. So let's not speak it into existence. We'll be back here tomorrow talking about the Suns' win against one of the worst teams in the NBA. So that's what's on tonight. The games that we are going to watch this evening. Earlier today, we had Mike Triplett on. He covers the Saints for New Orleans.Football. And it, it, right now, I'll give you the update on Sean Payton. I'll tell you right now that this idea that Sean Payton could go back to Fox, here's what Mike Triplett, who's been covering Sean Payton since 2005, had to say about it. I have to think there's still a good chance that one of these deals gets done, and a lot of this... Oh, now it's looking like he might go back to Fox. And, oh, you know, Denver, uh, you know, it feels like there's some pressure being put on there from sides and negotiating in it. I mean, obviously it might not get done, and and it might come down to teams not wanting to ultimately pay a large amount of money, give up a large amount of power, and give up a large amount of draft picks. Two things that are out there now on Twitter that have been out there all day that are making both you and I think that maybe Sean Payton is not getting the interest that he thought he was going to get. Number one, there are like three or four different people who are saying the same thing. Hey, he might just go back to Fox. That kind of sounds like a... And nobody's offering him a job. Exactly. Like a leverage thing. Like, hey, you know what? Don't make me. I'll just go back to Fox but if you don't give me what I want. Nobody's well, offered anybody a job yet. Yeah. Okay. No, nobody that's a job opening has offered anybody a job that we know of. And then the second thing that's going on with Sean Payton is this idea of this mystery team that's out there. Oh, there's, yeah. there's a mystery team that if they just get their ducks in a row... That they, works in free agency. Agency. That doesn't work with coaches. Only so many coaching vacancies right now. The, there's a mystery team, like you know who. I mean, Ooh. is Dallas firing their coach? Jerry Jones gave up. Gave a, he's safe to McCarthy. He's safe. He's safe. The mystery team. There's only five teams that have a coaching opening. And, and again, the mystery team thing just reeks of a coach who's like, okay, I got to create more of a marketplace for my services. I'm not getting the kind of offers I thought. Hey, <sighs> give me what I want because there's a mystery team out there. It's just yeah. It all up, and you do wonder maybe Sean Payton does just wait until next year. Maybe he, you know, I, I think he's still going to be a commodity a year from now. It's not like and he's going to pull tag. a Bill Cower and just vanish in front of our eyes. I think he'll still be viable a year from now. Price tag comes down a little bit too because the fact that Nanny, now you're only a year away from him being completely out of his contract with the Saints. Listen, I said this to you earlier Belichick, Parcells, Gruden. The, the the coaches that we look at who got first-round draft pick compensation for them, that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. 20 years ago. More than so 20 like, years you ago. Know, the, the, the market may have reset. Why do you have to get a first-round pick now? Why 20, 25 years ago, okay, but why now? Why, why does it have to be the same? So the draft pick compensation is fascinating to me because I, I think a lot of teams may be reluctant to give it up. I was reading a story out of Indianapolis today. I said Colts have no interest in giving them a first-round pick. That's why I didn't even interview them. Yeah. They didn't even interview Sean Payton. Now, maybe they're the mystery team, but they're not willing to give up the first-round pick, so they didn't even interview the guy. But obviously the Cardinals were, otherwise they wouldn't be having this conversation. Conversation with Sean Payton. Well, we don't Thursday. know what they were willing. To, we know that they were willing to give up something. We just don't know what Presumably it is. Presumably, it was enough to satisfy the Saints. Right. Otherwise, the Saints don't have there's to. No reason. I mean, there's no reason for them to grant permission if what it is the Cardinals are offering isn't enough. They could just tell them to go 
you know, fly a kite. No, we're not doing it. So I, I got to assume that whatever it is the Saints are asking for, the Cardinals were like, mm, okay, yeah, we we do that. You know, what does that look like? I I don't. If it's look, if it's a second, I we keep saying first round, first round, first round. I, what I found interesting from Mike was something he suggested that like if you look at the trade chart, the Jimmy Johnson trade chart. Okay, it's basically got to equal a first round pick in terms of the points value. So it could be a second and a four. Second and a four. And there you go. I'd equals give a up a second and a fourth to get Sean Payton in a New York minute. I'm just not giving up the number three pick in the draft. No, and I'm, I'm not, not giving up a pick too. next year that could be a top five pick. I, I'm not. Because if I want to get off, Kyler Murray has a bad year and I want to get off Kyler Murray, I I mean, I might look at a quarterback next year if I have a top five pick. That's the time to re- the time to look for a quarterback is when you have a top five pick. Now when you've got the, when you're picking Josh Rosen, it's when you've got a top five pick. Or you've got the very last pick in the draft, and you get Brock Purdy. That that's the only two ways you can really look at. Everybody it. else in the middle, you're either the first in the middle, pick yeah. in the draft, or you're the last pick in the right. draft. Everybody else in the middle is complete crap. We don't want you. Um, but no, it's it, it, I I totally understand what you're saying. I, I I I am too. I am not giving up the first round pick this year. I would never give up number three. I think no you're going to get another second back for DeAndre Hopkins. I really do. So I'm fine with giving up this year's number two because I think you're getting a number two back. You've got comp picks coming back. You've got one. You've got a third got for three. Christian Kirk. You've got a fifth for Chandler Jones. You've got a sixth for Chase Edmonds. Yeah, you got three picks coming in. You know, yeah, you you burned some picks last year. Robbie going Anderson. after Robbie Anderson and Trayvon Mullen mm. and and uh, Cody Ford. None of those worked out, and I get all that. But I I think you've got inventory coming in that would allow you to make that move if you wanted to. We'll see what they do. I, I'm again, I'm more than anything. I am fascinated what happens with Dan Quinn tonight. What happens with Dan Quinn tomorrow? If you don't know what we're talking about, according to a report this morning, the Cardinals flew the Cowboys defensive coordinator into Arizona tonight for a second interview today or tomorrow, according to the report. The first in-person interview. Because the first one was virtual. This would be in-person. Exactly. Um, It seems like they're jumping to get ahead of Denver a little bit on this one. Now, maybe that's because Denver is going to get Peyton. Or maybe the Cardinals are thinking that no one's going to get Peyton and they want to make sure they get ahead of them for Dan Quinn. Either way, it is a bold kind of move for the Cardinals to, you know, no, get him in here now. Fly him in here. Let's talk to hey, him. Larry Fitzgerald is a big fan. I know you got that cut from Larry Fitzgerald, but look, Larry Fitzgerald and Michael Bidwell are very close. And there's definitely some influence there. So Michael and, and Larry, I'm, I'm sure Michael picks Larry's brain on a lot of different topics because they are very, very close. And Larry had a glowing endorsement for Dan Quinn. This is in October on the Let's Go podcast. He'd be number one, in my opinion. Uh, there's no question about that. That, you know what he's done obviously his experience and he did really good in Atlanta um and you know had he you know run the football a little bit more he'd have a Super Bowl championship so I don't think it's be much longer until Dan Quinn will be back on the sidelines as a head coach of the National Football League but I think for him most importantly is finding the right situation you know you, you don't want to go to a team where you don't have a quarterback you don't have a chance to win you want to be in a place where you know you, you have a legitimate shot and those type of jobs are very difficult to come by because they don't turn over often the- question you have to ask yourself, and neither one of us know the answer to this, but we'll see what happens tomorrow. Does Dan Quinn, in his second interview, be it tonight, tomorrow, whenever it is that he has it, does he blow the Cardinals away so much that they're willing to forego a second interview with Brian Flores, a first interview with Sean Payton, and are they willing to decide tomorrow that Dan Quinn is the guy? And and that's kind of, I think, what we're all going to be on alert for over the next 24 hours or so. I would not be surprised at all 
if um, if if they hit it, they hit it off and all the questions are answered and all the boxes are checked and you feel confident the guy he's the guy there's no reason to go through with the Sean Payton interview like if you're convinced that we're going to hire this guy don't waste Sean Payton's time so now if you come out of that interview and you're not convinced and you still want to interview Payton okay but you know I, it's very unlikely that you would have Payton come in and waste his time especially a guy like that. If you already know you're going to hire Dan Quinn. So I think things could get wrapped up tonight or tomorrow morning if they decide Quinn's going to be the guy. Yeah, and I don't want to create a false sense of expectations here but because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But if they like him that much... There's they, no reason to wait. There's no reason to wait. There's no reason to let him leave. You know, There's no reason to let him hear somebody else's pitch. There's You get it done, you make him the offer, and you make it happen. If you are absolutely convinced he's your guy, maybe that happens tomorrow. Maybe that doesn't. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting day. Maybe I imagine tomorrow... Tomorrow we'll hear more about potential, you know, the Sean Payton interview, maybe another second interview for Flores or somebody else. We will see. When we come back on Bonus Burns and Gambo, we'll preview tonight's game against the Charlotte Hornets. John Bloom will join us live from Footprint Center. That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show. John Bloom's going to join us right here from down at the arena. We'll get ready for the Suns game tonight. Looking forward to the Suns taking on the Charlotte Hornets. No LaMelo Ball, Cody Martin, Kelly Oubre, Gordon Hayward for Charlotte. Before we, we do that, I just want to mention real quick, because our, our friend, uh, our old friend, Pedro Gomez, may he rest in peace, his, his foundation, the Pedro Gomez Foundation, has a chance for you to win MVP Aaron Judge's signed jersey and ball and a whole lot of other things. I've retweeted it. You can go online on Twitter at P- at PG Foundation, uh, the Pedro Gomez Foundation. You could look that up online. The Pedro Gomez Foundation. All proceeds benefit the foundation and the programs that they support. So check out the live auction that's going on and uh, be a part of it. Let's go down to the arena. We'll get set for the Suns and the Hornets. John Bloom joins us. Bloomer, what's going on? Gambo. Good to hear from you. Good to talk to you. And good to have another uh, basketball game here where a team is uh, playing pretty well despite all the things that's happened to it. Uh, you know, this team continues to chug along and now has people singing a completely different tune than they were probably the last well, time you and I spoke. Three wins in a row, my friend. A chance to have four wins for the first time since November. Now, I know everybody's going to want to talk about Chris Paul, but I want to go back to the game Saturday. I was blown away by how well Josh Okoji played, not just offense. But the strip of Benedict Matherin and the block shot on Nembreth, I, I thought, what a terrific game by Josh Okoji. He was a key reason why they won that game Saturday night. Yeah, and you know what? He's been great for a stretch now. You know, even after he had to miss a game with the broken nose, it, he, you know, he suffered taking a shot from DeAndre Ayton on the road, and then he comes back and has that amazing 24-point game. But in his last six, Gambo, Okoji's averaging just shy of 11 points, over five rebounds, two assists a game, and then all the def- defense of things that he does, some of which do show up in a stat sheet like steals and blocks, but some don't. And I think that they are really happy with what they're getting out of Josh Kobe. You know what? He's always had a problem staying on the court because he, he just wasn't a very good shooter. He's always been a guy that could, that could play defense. He's been a good defensive player, but in Minnesota he was very limited at times just because he was just not a very good shooter. I mean, he never shot well from three-point range. He wasn't really good overall. Good defensive player player, but it was, it's nice to see his shot starting to come around and his ability to score. Yeah, and again, i got to tip the cap 
up to the coaches for instilling the confidence in him. He's not the first guy that's come through here and seen a bump in his shooting percentages. Josh Akogi started the season, you might recall, absolutely ice cold. He was 1 for 18 from 3 at one point, and now he is 19 of his last 49. So that's close to 40% since that awful start. That is phenomenal, and it's a great turnaround, and I think a lot of it has to do with the confidence that he has. And I think what has given him confidence beside the coaches is his play defensively and the impact he sees that he can have on this team. Yeah. Now, Chris Paul, obviously, you come back the next night, and what an incredible first quarter. I even love that Monty, trying to get to two for one at the end of the first quarter, brought Chris Paul back into the game, and he knocks down that three with a second left. It was great to see Monty trying to get to two for one with Chris and him delivering with another three. You know, and those little things can matter, Gambo. I don't know if they necessarily make a massive difference in January, but just knowing that he can go to that if he needs to uh, and have a play like that for Chris Paul now, uh, in addition to the other shooters that can step out and make that shot on this roster, uh, I think everybody on this team has always felt like CP3 should do that more uh, since he got here. And, uh, you know, there's been times where he has, uh, but now with no Booker and no Shamit and no Payne and now still no DeAndre, then CP3 is going to be asked on to score more, just like Mikael Bridges has been asked to score more lately, and boy, has he. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, it was good to get Chris back, and then eventually, look, I mean, there's about $86 million sitting out right now, and everybody wants the Suns to make all these moves, but the, many of the moves are going to be getting Chris back, getting DeAndre back, who I expect to play against Dallas on Thursday, and then getting, you know, getting Book, getting campaign. You just got Cam Johnson and Chris back. Getting all these guys back is going to be a big shot in the arm, and then you're going to see the Suns take off and, and start to win some basketball games the way we're accustomed to. I agree, and I think it's great that they got this start, you know, to to be able to build that confidence before they get some of those guys back, Gambo, because, again, this is a stretch in the schedule where if you were looking ahead, you identified this as maybe a get-healthy stretch for the Phoenix Suns, not just because of, uh, you know, the fact that they were injured, but based on what that brutal run they had of 20 days on the road out of 24, uh, some of the teams they were playing, obviously, were better teams compared to some of the ones that are coming up on the schedule, so if you are one of those fans that likes to take a look ahead maybe 10 games or so, uh, you probably found this schedule or this spot in the schedule a while ago, and now you're looking forward to seeing how the Suns can do. Yeah, there's no question. And, you know, DeAndre being out is hurt, but I really like the play. I thought on Saturday, Bismack Biombo what a huge game, has played well. We've seen Landale play well. Dario had a terrific game the other night, one of his best games. So you're seeing a lot of the bigs really step up and play well right now. And it's a great story for each one of them, right? I mean, Bismack, just an unbelievable human being. It's been really great to get to know him. He's in his 12th season, of course. Most of that happened with the team that we're playing against tonight, the Charlotte Hornets, so he's excited to go up against them again, but he has been phenomenal. He leads the Suns in blocks, and it's not even close, and, and he changes the game because of the blocks, but also because he alters guys' shots. Once he gets a block or two in a game, he gets in the other team's heads, and they start you know, pump faking and doing different things that maybe they're not used to doing, and so he's made such a big difference. Dario Saric worked his butt off to get back, just enabling himself to get to a point where he could play basketball, and now he's making big-time differences on the floor for this team when we didn't even know if he was going to get called on by Monty Williams at the start of the season. And Jock Landale, a guy that a lot of people didn't know when the season started, even though there were murmurs from the team about how much they liked him in the offseason when he got over here, uh, and he's made a massive impact and is just another great human being to get to know. So this is a, a unique situation that the Suns have 
uh, all these bigs contributing right now, getting opportunities and taking advantage of. Yeah, I was really happy to see Saban Lee get that second 10-day contract, too. I reported that the other day, that he was going to get that second 10-day. He, You know, the great thing is he got an opportunity to play, and he really delivered. Now, they liked him. They loved him in camp and his experience with the Pistons and everything, but he came in, and I'll tell you, you know, he wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid to shoot the ball, take a big shot. He showed them what they needed to. He earned himself that second uh, 10-day contract. He did. It's just another fantastic story for this team because here's a local guy. They haven't had a ton of guys who, you know, played high school here in the Valley that uh, have become Phoenix Suns, so Saban Lee uh, etching his spot right now on the second 10-day contract, and I know he's going to get out there and continue to be fearless like you said. Uh, That's what they love about him. He is getting himself to the paint no matter how and no matter why. He's just getting there, and then he's earning himself trips to the free throw line. You look at Saban Lee has played in six games. He's already shot 28 free throws for the Phoenix Suns, and it's game in and game out. He's making his way to the stripe because of his aggressiveness. Yeah, there's no question. That's what we saw out of a Koji the other night, right? How many times did he get to the line on Saturday? 14 times, I believe. 14 or 15. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Did a good job. You like to see that, right? That's one of the problems we've had with Phoenix is their ability to get to the free throw line. That's something that we've criticized them for at times, so it's nice to see when guys are being aggressive, going to the rack, getting those calls, and getting to the free throw line. Yeah, because it just changes everything, Gambo, and then what it does is it opens up those guys in the corners, and I just saw this stat that I'm going to pass along to your audience before I probably use it tonight on the broadcast as well with Tim Kempton, but the Suns are tops in the NBA in corner threes, 45.1% they're shooting from the corner so far. The next best team is Utah, 43%, so it's not close. I mean, the Suns are the best corner three shooting team in the league right now, and a big reason for that is obviously Damian Lee. He's shooting lights out, has been all season long, but as you talked about and as we just discussed, when you do have guys penetrating, when you do have guys earning their trips to the line by forcing the issue, it is going to leave those guys in the corner, and this team has been very unselfish as well, sharing the ball at a high level and opening up those free shots, and that's probably why they have such a great percentage. Hi, Bloomer. Always good to hear your voice, my friend. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll be listening Suns and the Hornets from the arena. All right, Gambo. Thanks for having me. Hi, that's John Bloom as uh, the Footprint uh, Center will get you down there as the Suns are going to take on the Hornets. That's going to be right here on 98.7. Arizona Sports will get you down and get you all the action. Now, uh, if the Suns could win this game, that would be four games in a row. That would be their first four-game winning streak since November. And the schedule, there are some easier games coming up. After Dallas, you've got San Antonio and Toronto. So a few more winnable games here for Phoenix. You should be getting guys back. I'm hearing DeAndre Ayton will be back on Thursday. Now, a little been sick under the weather. I don't think it's anything more than that, but that's what I expect. I expect that he's going to be back right after that. So the Suns and the Hornets tonight, we'll see if they can get themselves another win. They have jumped up in the standings quite a bit as well, so keep your eye on that. One more thing I wanted to mention before we get out of here, and I I retweeted this, uh, but if you want to get involved, Pedro Gomez, our good friend, Pedro Gomez, who uh, passed away just two years ago and we lost him, uh, his foundation, they've got a great event going on right now, and and you could be a part of it by going online. Just check out the Pedro Gomez Foundation. Just go to Twitter, type in Pedro Gomez Foundation, and they've got some great auction items going on, and you could be a part of it right now. And Aaron Judge signed jersey and ball, and his tickets to games, and so many other amazing things that they've got going on. Your chance to win some terrific things. And all uh, proceeds will benefit the foundation and the programs that they support. So go on 
Twitter. Look up the Pedro Gomez Foundation. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow, 2 o'clock sharp, right here on Arizona Sports, the sports leader. Have a good You still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.